Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoma. And I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with columnist Jenny Carlson and beat writer Justin Martinez after the Sooners' 23-16 to win over Nebraska on Saturday. And, uh, guys, not exactly what we expected to see on the field, but, uh, you know, maybe this is what we should expect out of this team, Justin, just uh, some some nail biters that go right down to the end. Yeah, another one. Uh, very similar to the game against Tulane where they just couldn't quite, um, you know, put them away convincingly. Uh, so a close one here, but at the end of the day, you know, the defense I thought had a really good stop there towards the end uh, to secure the win. Overall, I think they played well. Um, there's definitely some things that, they can take away from this that are positives, but at the same time, also certainly some room for improvement. Yeah, Jenny, let's talk about that defense here uh, starting off. Uh, you wrote about it some. Um, clearly, that's going to be something that's going to be talked about quite a bit. It wasn't perfect. There were some things, especially on the back end, that were a, a bit concerning that Lincoln Riley brought up after the game, but this defensive line, uh, we knew that they were going to be deep. We knew that there was a lot of talent there, more talent that they've had on the defensive front in quite a while. But they just continue to show that uh, they're the, the the best group on this team uh, with with what they're able to do out there. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, you know, and honestly, they had so many opportunities. There were even a few times that they didn't exactly come up with plays, um, didn't make tackles when they might have even had more sacks than they ended up with, more quarterback uh, hurries, more tackles for losses, those sorts of things. Now, Adrian Martinez is a really good quarterback. He can move like, you know, a few guys can in the college game. So, you know, he uh, he gets to try to run away from him too. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, I thought that the defensive line definitely – did a great job, um, you know, held him to 34 yards on 17 carries. You'll live with two yards per carry every time with him on the field. He did have a, a pretty darn good passing day. Um, few too many open receivers uh, out out in space. Um, but, you know, as far as the defensive line goes, I think it was a, a definite uh, high spot for them. You know, uh, Nick Benito spying on Martinez, I thought, did a heck of a job. Um, yeah, just an overall really solid day by the defense, something that they can, you know, be very proud of, take some positive momentum, but also find some things that I know they're going to want to improve on. Yeah, no doubt about it. Five sacks uh, from the, the Sooners defense, 28 yards gets taken off of Martinez's total. So he did have some some runs, but no really long ones. I mean, heck, you, you look at uh, the Nebraska's uh, biggest plays, didn't have a run longer than 13 yards on the day. Adrian Martinez didn't have one uh, longer than 10. So that that was good. You know, for so long, we've talked about this, uh, Jenny. You've been around uh, for quite a while. Uh, we've talked a lot about OU's struggles containing running quarterbacks, and they were able to do that today uh, for the most part. Uh, those five sacks, a couple of them from Benito, as you mentioned. Jalen Redmond had uh, one and a half. Then uh, El Josh Ellison Perry on Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas got uh, got a half a sack each, so uh, some encouraging signs there 
They had uh, 10 total tackles for a loss, three uh, from from Benito, and then uh, four quarterback hurries, again, all from that uh, front group, Benito, Redmond, uh, Reggie Grimes had one, Isaiah Thomas had one that I'm sure he's going to be kicking himself for uh, quite a bit that he wasn't able to finish off that sack there early in the game. But uh, that that certainly a, a different dynamic to this defense than we've seen in quite a while. You know, and it's such a it's such an interesting thing when you mention all that, Ryan, because of where the all those numbers came from. You know, I think a lot of times um, over the years in games when you, you saw maybe similar sorts of numbers, you know, Oklahoma would have to bring a lot of pressure. You know, they'd have to blitz and and really use a lot of guys from you know linebacking group or even into the secondary, bring some safeties up for situations. And you know, I just don't remember seeing a ton of situations like that today. Now, part of that may have been because Outscrunch was a little bit hesitant with um, some missing secondary guys. Woody Washington was out, also Billy Bowman. So some guys that would have likely been out there a decent amount uh, today were not available because of injury. So maybe he was a little bit gun shy to send, you know, a bunch of guys, but at the same time, his front was doing such a good job. He didn't necessarily, I'm sure that there, you know, might've been um, some times I'm not remembering, but you know, for the most part, he didn't have to send six, seven guys to try to get pressure and containment. He, they were able to get it with the, with the guys that were up front. So that's a, that is a real, real positive and an encouraging sign for this defense. Yeah, uh, sticking with the defense, Justin, uh, Jenny talked about that secondary and, and they were missing a couple of guys, uh, Woody Washington and Billy Bowman. Uh, neither of them played. Justin Broyles got his first start in quite a while uh, out there. I, I think maybe his, his freshman year was the last time he started. I'll have to look that up to be 100% sure, but it had been a while. They had to do some different stuff uh, back there. Uh, still some concern there, especially when you get into uh, some of these games against teams with a little bit higher-powered passing attack than Nebraska has shown. Uh, but Lincoln Riley seemed to say after the game that, hey, we're, we're young. We'll take some of that stuff there. That he thinks it's going to get a whole lot better once they get players back. But uh, certainly that's going to be something to, to keep an eye on here uh, moving forward. Yeah, without a doubt. Like you said, you mentioned uh, Justin Broyles. Just other guys are going to have to step up right now while while other ones are out. So, I mean, that's kind of the name of the game. We knew that this team was going to have a, a really deep defense overall. And, you know, it's going to have to show that right now, especially as they get in the conference play where, you know, the competition's only going to get stiffer. Yeah, no doubt about it. By the way, just uh, Justin Broyles' last start, 2018, uh, started five games uh, there. He's played in a lot of them since, but uh, uh, hadn't broken back into that starting lineup since his redshirt freshman year. Uh, Jenny, let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, they start off, really well about as well as you could have hoped uh spencer rattler was uh was fantastic on that first drive didn't try to force things and and do too much uh there as OU you uh, ate up uh gosh what was it nearly seven minutes of the clock on the very first drive of the game a lot of uh short passing uh routes spread the ball around a lot to a lot of different receivers you know we look Jaden hazelwood marvin mims mike woods cody jackson eric gray uh all of those guys caught balls on that very first drive of the game but then for there we saw some shakiness out of rattler not the 
not the Heisman Trophy type of candidate that we had talked about. I wrote about that early in the week, his chance to make his Heisman mark. He didn't make that today. Um, but what, what did you make about Spencer Rattler's day overall? Yeah, it wasn't the dynamic type of day that we've come to expect out of him. You know, um, when you think about, uh, you know, where he left off last year, you know, that Florida bowl game, I, you know, I think everybody uh, and, and, you know, late in that the last season and the regular season, I think we saw just great strides out of him. And you saw, um, you know, you saw the, the, you know, long downfield passes. You saw an offense that really opened up and used its playmaking makers and and that wasn't the case today you know no plays of over 23 yards today um obviously you know scoring 23 points that's the that's the lowest in several years and the lowest since 2013 that they won a game where they scored that few points so definitely not how they've usually won games um i don't necessarily know if um i think there were some parts of rattler's game that were off maybe a little bit but it just didn't feel very there just was sort of a flatness about the offense overall. And I, I'm sure that they'll go look at that and, you know, they won the game. So you can't, you know, yes, it wasn't what you'd expect, but it was a win. And, you know, you got to think, you know, where they were a year ago. Um, they, at this point in the season, three games in, they were, you know, one and two, they'd lost their first two big 12 games and everybody was wondering how this, how the season was going to go. Obviously they improved as the year went on. If they can do that sort of thing, we may look back in, two, three, four weeks and say, geez, you know, that was that was an off day and, and we haven't seen anything like that the rest of the year. That's going to be up to Oklahoma's offense to figure out what is what is today? Is today the norm or is today the anomaly? And Justin, what about you? What what stood out to you outside of Rattler uh, about OU's offense, whether it be, uh, you know, positive or negative? What's what's your uh, number one takeaway from this one? I think one thing that um people are really starting to realize is that Kennedy Brooks is extremely underrated when it comes to this offense. Um, just the way that he was, he was moving the ball, especially early on. Um, I think he finished with, with 75 yards on the ground on, on 14 carries. Um, but he just seemed to be finding the holes. I thought he was really good in open space. Um, you know, we already knew it was kind of going to be a one, a one B situation with him and Eric Gray. Uh, but Brooks is, has really looked well these past couple games. Yeah, to, to me, the biggest thing about Brooks is that it, it, he's able to make something or at least get back to the line of scrimmage on plays that he looks all dead to rights with. I mean, there were a couple plays out there today. It looked like he was going to be brought down in the backfield. He's able to to get it back to at least a line of scrimmage. He's able to get, you know, heck, there was one I think he got four or five yards on where it looked like there was no chance uh, for him to even break even on it. I thought that was big, especially with an offensive line that's still feeling themselves out. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But uh, to, to have him in that kind of performance, 14 carries, 75 yards, average 5.4 yards per carry, I thought was really important for them. And then I thought Eric Gray, you know, we saw much more out of him as far as carrying the ball uh, than we had over these first couple games. I know he had decent numbers uh, against Western Carolina last week with the 74 uh, yards uh, on the ground, 84 yards today on 15 carries. And, uh, you know, OU's running game, surprise, surprise, looks okay. Now, uh, there's not much depth there, as we, we all know. But, uh, Jenny, at this point, isn't anybody who forgets about Kennedy Brooks just uh, – 
that's sort of on them uh, right now. I would agree with that. Yeah, I think both of those guys were really good today. I mean, there was only, I think, I think under 70 plays run today. So there there wasn't a ton uh, of, of plays run, I mean, by Oklahoma. So, you know, I thought both of those guys, for the most part, maximized. There was a little bit in the pass blocking. I think that um, I'm sure that DeMarco Murray will show those guys in film this week and say, um, we have to be better here. But as the Oklahoma offensive line gets better, um, hopefully some of those uh, – some of those misses will, you know, they won't have guys coming at them full speed without anybody having touched them before they get to the running backs. But still, those guys got to at least do something okay, uh, on on those uh, instances. And there were uh, at least once or twice I saw where their, their blocking pickup was just not great. So they got to help in that way. But I think when it comes to finding space, uh, making cuts, I thought both of those guys were really dynamic. And Ryan, I think you, you hit it on the, on the head. You know, the, the one concern you have is – what about the depth? You know, can these guys carry the load um, like this? I mean, this is game three, obviously, uh, in a 12-game season, and it's the third game in a nine-game stretch without any breaks. So, you know, it, that's going to be an issue, the, the load management. We saw none of the reserves today, just those two guys out there. You know, is, this, is there maybe a possibility for somebody like Jeremiah Hall you know, potentially to get some some touches carrying the ball. Um, can they use those tight ends maybe in a, you know, sort of pseudo run game situation on short passes? I mean, I don't know. I just feel like that's one of those things that you have to sort of be a little trepidatious about. If you're Oklahoma, you don't want to get into a situation where, you know, a guy gets hurt and suddenly you're down to one scholarship back. That could be a real disaster for this team. Yeah, they've got to protect those guys. And I, I think play calling wise, they've tried to do that. I think maybe a little bit less today. And there are going to be games that get tight here where they're just not going to be able to uh, protect those guys with the play calling. But I, I think that that's going to be certainly uh, something to keep an eye on and something that's going to be at the, the forefront uh, of the minds uh, there. Uh, with with uh, the, those couple guys, but you mentioned Kennedy Brooks. You mentioned the uh, pass blocking. There was one. I think it was the play where Rattler was able to 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 get it off, almost completed a pl- pass to Austin Stogner uh, on a diving play that Brooks just missed uh, missed a critical block. They do have to clean that stuff up because that stuff will haunt them uh, if it keeps happening. But uh, certainly carrying the ball. Has not been a problem for for these guys, but oh, go ahead. Or sorry, I uh, thought I heard something. But just in the offensive line, we saw some shuffling there today. We saw after some early struggles uh, moving the ball, they insert Andrew Rame in at center. Robert Congel had started those first couple games. They put Rame in. It, it wasn't perfect, and you know we'll see what Lincoln Riley has to say. We'll have to all have to go back and, and watch the game and watch him specifically to see things. But it seemed like their offense did uh, look at least a little bit better when Andrew Rame was out there. I don't know about you, but I expect Rame to eventually be the starter uh, there at center. But uh, a little bit interesting to see that shuffle there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that eventually he'll win out that spot, but it does seem like it's it's very much still up for grabs. You know, we kind of expected that Rain was going to be that guy entering the season. He had dealt with some health issues, um, which forced them to miss the majority of that first game. Um, it looked like Conjo played pretty well. Um, 
in that second week against Western Carolina. But yeah, it's going to be one of those things, I think, where they're going to go back and forth until someone really establishes themselves as that starting center. Um, I do think it will be Rame in the long run, though, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, to me, it's going to be Rame sooner rather than later. I think it was almost just a wait for an opportunity, any opportunity to insert Rame. You know, they they feel good about the way that uh, Robert Congel had played uh, early in the season. But Andrew Rame is going to be the long term center on this team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. When you look at uh, how long he's got a chance to be around, just his pedigree, the way that Bill Biedenboe talked about him entering the season, which was in terms that were you know pretty similar to uh, what we've seen from a lot of really good. OU centers in the past, Creed Humphrey and, uh, you know, Eric Wren, Gay Biker, Ty Darlington, guys like that. So, uh, but th- that's uh, certainly uh, something there to watch. Uh, Jenny, we've got to talk, spend some time talking, though, about just what this game meant, what it was like uh, as the uh, 50th anniversary of the 1971 game. We saw the players from both sides of that game come out onto the field at halftime. You went to the reunion dinner on uh, Friday night down here in Norman. They had the, uh, the the 50s were painted in each team's colors. The one on uh, OU's sideline was the crimson. The one on Nebraska's was the uh, their their scarlet, a little bit brighter out there. Uh, the, just the vibe around the stadium, though. Even walking in, you know, two and a half hours uh, before the game. This was different. It, it felt different. It also felt like maybe there should be a little bit of chill in the air because that's when we're used to seeing OU Nebraska happen is right around Thanksgiving. Yep. But, uh, you know, nice to see uh, the Cornhuskers back here and this rivalry a part of college football once again. No chill in the air today. I think plenty of people oh. would back me up on that. Um, yeah, definitely a, a hot one with the 11 o'clock start. And uh, yeah, but other than that, it did feel it, it felt very much like a, a big game. Now, you know, I mean, when these teams met here in 2000, you had a one and two matchup or when these teams met here, obviously, in 71 and it was one and two. I mean, like it's that's obviously it takes it to another level. But I do think there was the anticipation of, you know, a, a storied rivalry being renewed. And so, you know, I think it was a I think it was a, a lively atmosphere as good as we've seen, you know, here in quite a while. And I think even back into the the 19 season, because last year there was that, uh, you know, restricted uh, attendance because of covid. And so you you didn't have a full house like we had today ever, you know, so that that's a that's a whole other aspect of it. But a lot of Nebraska fans here, um, I think, surprised some of us to hear how loud they were from time to time with some of the stuff that, you know, the Huskers were able to do. You could sense their excitement, um, their numbers, which was uh, which was cool. You know, it was really uh, I, I didn't know what that what that would sound like, look like as far as Nebraska people coming. You know, I think a lot of their fans were very hesitant to to see what today would would go down like a lot of people fearful of a blowout but that was not how today played out at all so i'm sure those folks who did venture here hoping for you know somewhat of a good result you know obviously they would have preferred the win but it was definitely a competitive game um you know some of the things that have hurt nebraska along the way uh in the scott frost era you know timely mistakes unforced errors some of those very things were problematic again today um but still uh you know heck of a ball game anytime it goes 
goes down to one possession, I think you're you're always uh, gonna that's gonna be a fun game to watch. And I think a lot of people were really enthused by what they saw today. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll see what Nebraska does, uh, you know, down the road, what they're able to do the rest of the season if they're able to sort of uh, salvage uh, this year for Scott Frost and keep them. uh, Well, keep him in a job and and keep them uh, in the Big Ten race, but it's going to be tough, especially those last that last month there in November as Nebraska plays Ohio State. Uh, a road game against Wisconsin and home against Iowa, uh, you know, right now, three certainly top 20 teams. Uh, and it's been a long time since Nebraska's beaten even a top 25 team. That was before Scott Frost took over. I think it's been uh, uh, five years or so since they've beaten a top 25 team. The last time they beat a top five team was that 2001 game that you referenced, uh, Jenny. So it, it, it's been quite a while, but, uh, you know, I think college football is better for Nebraska when Nebraska is good, and uh, hopefully they'll find a way uh, to get that done, and we'll see if Scott Frost is still the coach next year when the Sooners, uh, you know, uh, play up there. But, uh, Jenny, here going into uh, – the Big 12 schedule with with OU. Let's start looking forward a little bit this year. Uh, o- OU starts with West Virginia next week. West Virginia had themselves a, a good win today against Virginia Tech in a game that they were favored by. I think a lot of people a little bit surprised that see the Mountaineers favored in that game, but uh, played well. Uh, and then they get Kansas State here before for OU Texas. Um, how confident are you in this team here entering conference play? Yeah, more so than last year. You know, obviously the COVID year, there was only one you know, non-conference game before they were right into conference play. Of course, for three quarters of their first game in conference play, you thought, well, this is going to be great for Oklahoma. They were rolling right along against K-State and then hit the skids, lost that game, then did a very similar thing the next week at Iowa State. So um, you, if, I think if you're Oklahoma, you got to feel, you know, decent about heading into conference play. I mean, obviously, um, you open with a couple games that aren't going to be easy necessarily, but you're going to be favored in. Um, You know, I think uh, even with West Virginia's win today and being at K-State, I think you like Oklahoma's chances to win both those and maybe fix some of the things that we saw were problematic today um, more offensively than Thompson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That K-State. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that has to, you know, you obviously don't want to, you don't want to find yourself in a situation that you, you stumble in either of those games. So you got to really focus in before Texas. I think that's always a worry. You know, is, that, is there going to be a trap game out there? But, um, you know, the fact that Oklahoma's defense, to me, has has shown some things in the last couple of weeks. You know, we thought they'd be improved this year. Came out against Tulane. It was not as maybe, you know, flawless, spotless as you would have thought. They've rallied. I thought they played you know, really well today. So continuing to show improvement there, to me, that's going to be a huge thing. Um, you know, you're going to be able to 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 build around a defense that's pretty darn strong um, and then allow your offense to sort of figure out how it's going to get its footing. It gives them some time to do that. What about you, Justin? What do you make about this team here entering uh, Big 12 play? Do you still consider, <coughs> excuse Ooh, me. Bless you. Thank you. Bless do you still consider them the the clear favorites in the Big 12, or do you see some cracks that 
maybe uh, maybe you think there's a wide opening for somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would describe it as cautious optimism. Um, you know, I've, on paper, this is still the best team in the conference, and they should still be the favorites. But, you know, they're going to get an early test. Like we said, West Virginia looked good today. Kansas State, even though they didn't have their starting quarterback, they actually had a pretty – uh, pretty good win against Nevada, which they weren't favored, weren't expected to win this week. Um, and then Texas, you never know um, if the quarterback situation ends up improving, then maybe they could be a better team as well. So, I mean, there's going to be some early tests here. Where we're going to find out exactly how much of a favorite Oklahoma is in this conference. Yeah, we are. I, I still think they're a pretty clear favorite. There are things that the, certainly they've got to clear up, but uh, you know, there's been plenty of other Big 12 teams that have had some issues. You know, we'll see. I think uh, certainly Iowa State is going to be better than, than they showed uh, a couple times here early in the season. Yeah, but uh, not going to be easy for sure. But OU plays uh, West Virginia next week. That's a 6.30 p.m. kick uh, yet again at home. Four straight home games. It's been a while since the Sooners have done that uh, to start the season. So we'll see how OU handles that first road trip on uh, October 2nd against Kansas State. But like we said, it gets a little bit easier without Skylar Thompson, who has just killed the Sooners the last couple of seasons. But we still got some time before we can talk about that game. We'll talk a lot about the Mountaineers uh, here coming up uh, this week. Uh, We're going to end it there from the Sooners Extra podcast here high above uh, Owen Field at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, where on Saturday the Sooners beat Nebraska 23-16. Thank you so much for listening. You can check out our work every day in the Oklahoman and or every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere. Mm-hmm.